Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. Back with my guys, Robbie and Rowett, to uh, talk some kicks. What's good, fellas? How you guys doing? Here to provide a little R&R, if you will. Yeah, Definitely. I think this is a nice compliment to everybody's Donda session. Hopefully everybody got through disc one or disc two. I didn't listen through all of it, but the parts I did listen to, some I really liked, some I really didn't like, and that's okay. It's with anything new. It's like, ah, you're just not, you're, your ears aren't used to it, but that's a whole nother time. But not as, this isn't being much shorter than Donda. You can probably play four of these by the time Donda's over. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't listen to it. Maybe because, uh, you know, Robbie's Lakers just got me depressed. So I, it's more of a, you know, my dark twisted fan, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy mood. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to listen to Kanye right now. I don't understand how the Lakers have the budget to sign literally the entire, what, 2004 All-Star team or 2003 All-Star team? 12. Yeah. They had, the 2000, they had like six 2012, 2012 All-Stars yeah, yeah. and Anthony Davis. <laughs> yep. No, it, it's crazy when everybody's willing to take a pay cut. Rondo signed for like three, $2.3 million. That's like NBA yeah. chump change. So he, he yep. wants that taste. He wants that taste again. He doesn't want it. Yeah. So... We'll get to see uh, CP3 and Rondo round two, hopefully. I'm excited for that. <laughs> man, I I hate Ron. He's one of those players, man, like I'm sure other people, and we'll get off this topic, the last uh, Mouse in the Palace on Netflix documentary stuff going on. I, I finally watch watched that. that. Like Steven Jackson type stuff. Like you hate him if he's on the other team, but he will ride and die for you if he's on your squad. Rondo's that kind of player. Celtics Rondo, I hate him vehemently. Lakers Rondo, I love him, like, with passion. So it's funny how that works. No, yeah. I was just going to say, Robbie, the best way to troll Celtics fans now is give Rondo a second ring with a Laker, because in my mind, then, he's more a Laker than he ever was a Celtic. Oh, hell yeah. 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 He's more respected. We're getting way off topic, but he was little brother to KG and stuff. You know, he wouldn't res- get the same kind of respect. Yep. Anywho. All right. How, how do we how do we want to start this off? We want to go rocking and copping, or we want to read some reviews first, or a review? I'll go ahead I and just say. read the review because it's quicker. Uh, so right. we've got a couple new ones. So I'll read the one that was most recent, which is a five star review from Your New Secret. 
talking sneakers for all sneakerheads. Get these four dudes on a mic together and magic happens. It's a show about sneakers, the industry, and the people who care about both. Take the hype and pretense out and leave it at the door. Shoes are functional expressions of art, and these gentlemen appreciate all types. But beyond the show lies the gem of the operation, the actual sneaker history discord. Actual community of people that care less about the kicks on the feet, but the people behind them. From food to football kits to Formula One to fevered healthy debate, you name it, the SH Discord has got it. A golden place that hasn't been ruined by the exploding and extravagantly influenced industry that is shoes. They go on your feet, people. It's not that serious. Ten out of five stars. Friday starting five suggestion, five candy bars. Let's make it happen, guys. Thank you, your new secret. I appreciate the alliteration. I appreciate the five stars. And, yeah, thank you again. Guys? That's an amazing review. I didn't see that one. rejects. My little secret. Dirty little secret. Yeah. That was really good. Thank you. That was good. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. If if you haven't left us a review, even if you have, you can you can update your review and tell us we suck. I know Rowett doesn't like it when I say that, but I'm totally down for it. But you know, we'd rather have the positive reviews, the glowing reviews. If you've been listening this long if you've been listening as long as uh, our secret out here, you should probably just join join the Discord. Patreon.com slash sneaker history get you in there it is by far the best part of i was gonna say waking up or something but that's Folgers. so yeah i'll just drop it <laughs> like it's hot yeah. it's yeah. it's really a good place fun place yeah. definitely is definitely is so uh before we get into this episode which is going to be an interesting one we robbie had a great idea in picking our favorite years for sneaker releases so uh, I'm looking forward to having the conversation with you guys. We might even, I don't know what Mike's planned since he's not going to be here tonight, but like maybe Mike can even drop his five on his channel or something like that to make it a little more interesting to give his audience some, some insight into his picks. Cause I thought that was really cool to see everybody's different opinions on it. But anyway, before we get into that, what are you guys rocking and copping lately? I'll pop it off. I'll start it. So, Delta variant out here. I've been sitting around the house. Other than Saturday getting dinner with this lovely gentleman, Rowett, I've been wearing my RS Dreamer Ledos, RS Dreamer 2. I had a friend come over who is historically a Nike head, and he's, he picked these up. Like, nothing wrong with that. Like, kind of like a Hank Hill. Like, this is a, this is a, a gorgeous, it's a, pretty much just a high top version of the one. But it says Dreamer on the back. I took the insole out because. These shoes are tight as hell. You have to go a half size up. Like, these do not fit me if I have the insole in. But that's okay. If I was hooping, that kind of tightness would be nice. But just very supple, beautiful, lovely shoe. One of the last colorways to come out. They're going to stop doing the shoe. So go get a pair. Puma. There's a black and blue pair now. Go use, if you're in the Discord, or I'll post photos with these in the Sneaker History Instagram, use our affiliate links. Go go buy stuff through our affiliate links. It really helps us out. And when it comes to copping, there's so many damn shoes. Um, the one that's really kind of breaking through over everything else is the Air Max BW coming out next month. I've been on a real, like, Air Max... Like kick historically, I would say up until like 2010, I did not like Air Maxes, and then wow, really? slowly, yeah, really weird. I did not like wearing them. I like Air Max Tech, like in basketball yeah. shoes and other sure. things, but like a straight up like Heritage Air Max, like no. But over, especially since like probably the last five six years, it's really kicked up. Where I, I now, anytime a OG of a of a classic comes out, like I have to get it. So nice. That's on my list. How about yeah. you, Nicholas? Uh, so rocking, kind of in that same vein, colorway wise. I just went back to uh, the OG Ultra Boost recently. I I, I still Gorgeous. love this shoe. It's just like I, I know that style wise, it doesn't live up to like the way it did when it first came out, but it's still so damn comfortable. And summer shorts, I feel like it's a it's a it's a no brainer. Um, speaking of summer inspired sneakers, my latest pickup is, uh, action footwear, the Hampton with the elephant print, red bottom. I think it's pretty, pretty good little, uh, 
old skate shoe kind of inspired, but I don't know. Action's always been a brand that I admired and wanted to see have some success. And this time around, they actually have Kareem Campbell, who started it originally in the in the you know early two thousands, late nineties, back and you know heavily involved in what's going on. I'm pretty sure he owns the company again. Oh, okay. So I was cool. It's cool to see that. I just love elephant print anything. And like, that's just like an easy wear for me around the summer. You know, you are so about the culture. It hurts an OG ultra boost and that shoe <laughs> like, damn. I mean, I, I, I just want to buy things and have things that I care about. You know, like, I think that's the thing. Like, I feel like we got to this point where everything was just, we just acquire masses of everything, you know, and obviously like I'm guilty of that. So I'm doing a lot of internal processing of all those things and and trying to like be more selective about what I, what I give my time and energy and money to. Very smart. No, that's very respectful. Uh, I, I don't even know how to follow that. So I will try to my best. What I have copped is the Nike Victory One slide in rose gold because, you know, pregnancy feet are nothing to joke about. So the wife had asked for slides. So I said, why not get some slides? So that was what we rocked. As for, I guess, what I would like to cop if given the opportunity, Mike made those Barcelona dunk lows look really nice. So holler at your boy. Uh, you guys lost Messi, but you could pick up a row. I'm just saying. All right. Man, that's nice. <laughs> Show off those slides again. You, you were really quick with it. Those are cool. So yeah. it's, it's not a Benzie slide. It's something else. Yes, it's a completely different design. Uh, one of the most interesting things about this was the fact that it had not one, not two, not three, but four stickers showing you the added comfort and oh. where the added comfort is on the actual uh, slide. So, yeah, definitely a cool slide. I might wear these when nobody's looking and have a Jane Gunn moment from, like, Silence of the Lands. But who's to say? So you have matching rose golds. I have, uh, no, I have the one. So I had a pair of those Benassi ones that I dipped in the dyes from the baby shower, but I dipped one in the blue dye and one in the pink dye. Cause you know, you got to represent all possibilities. So anything is possible. Anything is possible. Second Celtics mention. I don't like it, Robbie. So you're going to have two more <laughs> Laker mentions at the back end of the episode. Hopefully out of respect, we're retiring. Anything is possible that that's done. Yeah. Anything is not possible. Absolutely. <laughs> Anywho, on happier notes, J.R. Smith, man, he rocks some heat back. So when I was thinking about years, I was like looking through photos of things. I was like, oh, man, he had some crazy I – mean, every player, right? So I was just thinking, what year is like your favorite year? And I'm phrasing it this way for our listeners. Think back to yourself. Take a Bob Ross moment. Take a deep breath. As we stroke this beautiful canvas with paint that is shoe Happy talk. clouds. Happy clouds, mountains, maybe a nice little prairie cabin. Think about your favorite year. Like maybe it's the most nostalgic year, like your favorite year ever buying shoes. That's another damn good episode. Someone write that down. Because when you think about shoes, you actually purchase things in. And like when you think, wow, tangent really quick. Hold on. So like when you think about big picture, what shoes you buy in a year. I know sometimes you put like an end of the year favorite or like a mid year favorite, but when it's the last time you went and looked back like a playoff bracket, like, Oh, the Pacers almost beat the Pistons. You know, they lost, they lost three, four in game seven, you know, stuff like that. Go back and look and like what years collectively shoes came out at the same time or retros. And I'm sure you, you'll be very interested in your findings. So we'll, we'll come back to that. So I'm thinking within the same vein, what year was my favorite? And I guess I'll just start it off by saying my favorite was 2004. So why is that? There's some great shoes in 2003, which I almost picked. I almost went a little bit earlier, like 2001. But I think four is that like golden area of Nike basketball. And I went this Nike. I'm going four shoe. So Nike slash Jordan brand took over every spot. But that's just such like... A young hatchery, right? You have all these little like th- things budding. Things are just starting to pop off. So like my first thought wasn't actually LeBron. He was my second thought. My first thought was Carmelo and the 1.5, the new Lakers. Carmelo and the Mellow 1.5. And it's like how 
He came into the the league wearing the 18.5, a really like weird transitional shoe, like literally between the 18, after the 18, took the shroud off, big weird lacing, weird shoe. Um, And then you have the 1.5, his actual signature, which is kind of like a mix between the one and the two. And I think that's the most successful mixing. Jordan Brands tried many times to put one and two together to make something, make a three or make make something more out of what is lesser, I guess, in my mind. So seeing like a, a perfect fusion with the right kind of wave around the um, around the ankle, the right kind of like weird futuristic semi like collar right like a plastic feeling little collar on it that didn't quite go all the way around with that beautiful mellow writing on it the baby blue and white colorways it's the the mellow 1.5 man like am i the only one who can wax poetic on it or do you guys am i crazy you guys dig that shoe like that i'd say out of all the mellows i'd like it the most but it's one of those things that I don't know what else I can add on top of you turning into William Shakespeare and doing exactly that, waxing poetic on this sneaker that I'm sure somebody listening to this episode has never truly understood or really taken the time. It's one of those things where this is why we do this episode, because somebody is going to find a new appreciation for that Mellow 1.5. So I think Robbie made a pretty good pick. What I'll do for 2004, and Nick, please correct me if I'm wrong, if I have the wrong year, but the T-Mac 3 All-Stars, that mix and match pair, the red and blue. That, to me, encapsulates probably the most forgotten star of that era, that when we talk about effortless scores, we automatically gravitate towards the KDs of the world, and rightfully so, but before there was KD, there was T-Mac, and he was probably the perfect antithesis to Kobe, because as dedicated and passionate and as animated as Kobe was, T-Mac was the opposite. He was stoic, he was calm, he was almost indifferent on the court, but his scoring said otherwise. I mean, I think I think 2004, too, is like a great year because you get into the, like the, the next generation, right? Like, you have LeBron, the LeBron 2, you have Melo, you ha- you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for the next you know, 10, 20 years of, of sneakers at that mm-hmm. point. Right. Cause I would argue, like you said, you, you thought about 2002, you thought about 2003, you know, you don't really know, like we all know LeBron's going to be huge and, and Mello's going to be huge, but like, do we know what the shoes are going to do and how it's going to be incorporated? The first year of a shoe is always cool in hindsight, but it's not always cool right out the gate. Right. And I think Mello is, insanely underrated when it comes to sneakers. I think he has so many good shoes and it's unfortunate that he doesn't kind of get the, the love that everybody seems to give to other players that, you know, I mean, look, he's, he's got a, what a longer run of signature shoes than most most players will ever come close to. So, I mean, it's, it's great. You say that because Mel, like the 1.5 did catch on right away. Like people were receptive to that model. And then for him and for it to be good enough for him to then wear it way, you know, 15 years later in his career for fun as a retro, that's also awesome. He's keeping his own legacy alive. I love that you brought up the LeBron too, because that was the other shoe that really got my brain thinking like why I want to pick 2004. I think the two, it's easily one of the more underrated LeBrons and even underrated basketball shoes from Nike basketball ever. That beautiful laser work behind the ankle straps that were fully removable. And on top of that, the shoe didn't look awkward when the ankle strap wasn't there. It was all Velcroed right. So it was just a little clip on one side that kind of looked like it should be there regardless. So specifically in my brain, uh, 10th grade kid Eric had the all-star gray with the blue and white pair on he put him up on the desk and he's like check these freaking things out and i was just like damn i want those i never had them i still have never had that shoe the second that shoe retros it'll be a vengeance buy like the white and navy fire like the black on black fire like the the black white and red fire all very clean simple colorways but just the 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 1.5 and the lebron 2 like such good early entries from studs agreed so 
2K4, right? I mean, that's probably like the quintessential 2004 shoe from Nike Basketball. I believe um, PE Vault just posted his Athens unreleased white and gold colorway. And it's like, damn, that thing freaking slaps too. It's like, no matter what colorway you put on the 2K4, doesn't matter if it's on Nike ID like it used to be back in the day. That shoe soaks up colors like like no other. It's just a flawless color blocking shoe. There's so many great areas you can do different things in. Rondo wore that shoe also. Now that I think about it, like that shoe is just like it's a Hooper's hoop shoe, and anybody who is anybody will will tell you that. Like if you've played in that shoe, whether it's a retro or the OG, they they hold up. So flawless. Flawless victory. And then last one is is weird. I noticed Nick on his list put Jordan Retros too. My brain specifically went to the Jordan 12 playoff retro. I brought this up in my past in recording. There's few shoes I don't own from like OG Jordans, OG colorways. There's very few that I've never had. And the playoff 12 is one that, I, that is one of those shoes. And I played myself not getting it in like 2016 or 17 when it last retroed. I see 2004 pairs for pretty good prices. Just I don't trust that age. So whenever it happens next, it's going to happen. But like that pair specifically, I remember seeing again in 10th grade, seeing people in the halls being like, God damn it, that shoe's flawless, man. It's like the black with the white. You can wear a white sock. You can wear a black sock. It can be high. It can be low. There, there's no wrong way to like wear that shoe from the ankle down. And it's just, oh, I need that shoe, man. That, that's like the perfect nostalgia. The 2K4 and the 12 specifically where it's like oh total total robbie bait that got they got me good i am always partial to that and robbie mentioned a very interesting point which is 2004 was around high school for you right robbie or like that middle school high school bridge like a lot of my sneaker nostalgia comes from that era of like let's say from 2002 through 2004 and it was one of those things where i just had a hard time picking one of those years because so much of that span or that little mini era had heat for me and it may not have heat for the collective audience that's listening but that's part of the fun of coming up with this exercise because nostalgia is going to dominate somebody's pick in terms of the year so i just think Mm -hmm. great great job picking the one year out of that little arc there robbie well because i'm gonna get off this point but to nick's earlier mentioning about not knowing what the shoe looks like from a star player we saw the lebron one like that's cool but i can right. wait one more year and have the lebron two yes. which i think is a far superior and like okay Melo's rocking pe's and stuff yada yada but his first signature shoe in the nuggets colorway like the two also came out in 2004 with the the mellow two um so like that's great but his first joint like the second the v2 of each of those two players early on was just this may be a tangent so please rain rain me in or rail me in in that sense but when was the mellow 12 uh the player edition of the jordan 12 for the mellow and that nugget blue because that is another beautiful shoe and i think that goes back to your earlier point as well of mellow having such an underrated sneaker legacy as well as his actual playing legacy so no it's the same year um that's just like and that's where, that's why these young kids, these young cats, um, don't really understand the full like weight. They see old mellow, they see hoodie mellow, they see like TikTok mellow. They don't notice like mellow had like was good enough to have shoes done released. Like Jason Tatum doesn't have PEs released like that. Like Zion, I mean Zion has a signature shoe, but he doesn't have it. Like mellow had it. Like a, a lot of these young kids, like especially with like great PEs or budding signature models like they don't have it like mellow had it like mellow they put they put money behind him like they, they believed and it paid off he was a superstar like mellow that, that paid off but uh there's levels to it like mellow was on that top show me the yep. money definitely so i guess i'll go next with my pick unless you want to go nick I'm trying nope, to remember. Go for it, Robbie. Yeah. So when Robbie gave us this exercise, my thought naturally gravitated toward, okay, what was the year that got me back into sneakers in the most official sense, which was 2011. The reason why I picked that was at the time I was employed by Nike and that had a heavy influence on what I was purchasing. And Robbie mentioned this era or this golden era, so to speak. And I agree that 2003, 4, like I mentioned earlier, is that. 
I think almost a second era or almost a silver era was that 10, 11, 12, because that's when we saw the three wise men of Nike basketball, so to speak, of LeBron, Kobe, and KD kind of have different years when one guy's model was head and shoulders above everyone else's. But then when I was looking at it from a more macro perspective, I figured 2011 is probably the greatest overall talent from a Nike basketball perspective because you have the KD4, which to this day people still ride or die for, think it's probably the best KD that there has been released. You have the Kobe 6, which is as much of a sweet spot in terms of taking what was great about the 4 and the 5, which were considered the gold standards of his line, and kind of evolving it into that Charizard, Blastoise, uh, Venusaur um, model. And then lastly, you had LeBron 9, where I thought that was probably the most interesting aesthetic shoe I had seen from the LeBron line, because it was the one that in my mind was probably the first truly out there design. So I looked at that as the Holy Trinity. And then for me, the capper was the 2011 release of the Max, because I think that is, if people ask me, when did sneakers kind of jump the shark? I think it's when we all thought that the Mags were actually going to be available for purchasing. Now, granted, it was absurd how expensive those shoes were but once we hit that notion that's when i think that flip happened so to speak where people were no longer just collecting sneakers for the pride of having them in their own personal collection but it was that thought of let me flip this and make a buck off of it what do you guys think it's when i saw your list the second i read mag i had to re-remind myself that that shoe actually came out because it's so unobtainable it's just like it's yes. so far in the cosmos to me it's like oh that's never gonna happen like if whatever but i forgot it existed yeah i mean not just flipping a buck but like flipping a nice car like yeah semester's worth of uh education or alcohol it's it's, it's, either one it's crazy why not both (laughs) the mag was is insane that's such a you know iconic shoe and story and you know You know, I, I fortunately or unfortunately have been like obsessed over sneakers with almost no letting off the gas for, you know, 30 something years now. And 2011 to me was like, obviously, there's no chance of getting the shoes. But like, I was kind of on the other side of that emotionally because my grandfather had Parkinson's, you know, lived with us when I was in high school, dealt with a lot of that stuff. And and seeing Michael J. Fox deal with it and then having all that stuff come out about him and, and the shoes and the money going to support it. Like I was just like, you know, genuinely like frustrated that people would be flipping those shoes when there was only, you know, however many of them, a handful of them that actually were auctioned off. I'm always kind of torn because I love meeting people that love sneakers. I love talking to people about sneakers, but at times when it goes so big, that's when you get people that are just in it for the quick buck and they won't be around the next time. Or, you know, it's like it used to be that they would only show up once in a while. And then, you know, the Jordan 11 was the one time a year that everybody would show up to resell shoes. And then, you know, it, it kind of shifted into like, this is just a piece of the game that we play, which is fine. Like I, I still enjoy it and I still, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't resell something. I wouldn't resell a Nike mag. I'd rather have that shoe. I have too many, you know, too much of a personal connection with it. You know, my mom used to call me, I forget what Michael J. Fox's show name on the show. Family ties was my mom. Alex P. Keaton. Yep. My mom used to call me that because I was always about like the money and like, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to make money and hustle things. And as a kid, like, you know, I didn't realize all those connections, but when that shoe came out, it definitely was like, damn, I would rather have that than actually sell it. You know, like who knows yep. if you're in a financial position to do that, right? Like mm-hmm. at this point in my life, you know, somebody came along and said, here's a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'd be, happily give them every shoe yes. without yes. a few with, with only two or three shoes that I would keep that have my name attached to them or a, or a story that I would never let go of. Yep. But like, I would also just start over again. Like I, the chase is so enjoyable for me that it'd be like, Okay, that was fun. Oh, no, I got to do it again. Now I have a new wall to fill. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's Phil Jackson going to L.A. after Chicago, right? Like, that's the new era of coaching or new era of collecting. I think what was interesting about that was you mentioned your mom. That was the first time my mom asked me about sneakers because she's like, hey, did you hear about this Michael J. Fox thing? And I was like, yeah. And that's when 
for a lot of people, to your point, that may have not been familiar with this other than, oh, this is just a passing hobby that a random family member or friend does, that's when everybody started to become a sneaker expert. And there's that popular meme going around right now where in between taking turns of everybody becoming like a medical expert, they're also a foreign policy expert. Well, that was the first time we had sneaker experts that were traditionally not there with lining up with us, let's say, on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. Yep. What else you got? Yeah, what else you got from, from 2011? Because the mags are pretty heavy hitter. But. No, that's why I figured, like, I front-loaded it with the mags, but I guess my question to you guys was similar to kind of how I introduced the Nike basketball silver era of Kobe, KD, and LeBron. Like, was this the best year where we saw probably the most consistent in terms of overall talent? Because... I could think that the year that Kobe 4 came out, maybe the LeBron wasn't as high and maybe the KD was in its infancy, but that drives home the point that we were just talking about in 2004 with LeBron, uh, LeBron and Melo in the sense that, like, okay, you're excited about this new player coming up and what's that natural inclination to be even more excited is they're going to get their signature shoe and that um, represents such an unlimited possibility of what the shoe could look like because at the end of the day a shoe is supposed to supplement the guy's game or the girl's game but what were you guys feeling in that era uh is the nine probably your favorite lebron from that era similarly is the kd4 really the people's champ the way that we've been led to believe the last 10 years i mean i think robbie made a good point about so the the way I associate the KD4 is the way that Robbie talks about like Mello not having Mello having money dumped into him and him being pushed as like this is the future, right? KD was not that. The first two three sh- the first two shoes were very underwhelming to say the least. When you found out that it was like $100 an under shoe is what he was shooting for originally, then it was like okay, I get it. But like the shoes were very Unless the color was perfect for you personally, not many people were like, got to have the KD one or two. Right. The three, you know, gets interesting. I think the four, though, was like, oh, not only is KD like fully come into his abilities on the court, but the shoes are right there with him. Right. Like the shoes are. I personally prefer the Kobe four over the over the five and six. But like. You know, it's hard to argue that the KD wasn't the Nike basketball shoe for that year, just based on how many great colorways came out. And that's thanks to a little bit of pushing the envelope with the design, right? Like, that only happens if you're taking the risk. So the way, like, Kyrie is cool now, I could have every kind of colorway out there. Like, KD was cool then. Not like KD isn't cool now, but KD was, like, young and cool. He was universally <laughs> yeah. adored. Yeah. Um, there wasn't drama with him. So, and that's, I don't think the drama is self imposed I mean, it's a whole nother conversation I don't want to go down. <laughs> but, like, he was just, yeah, he was a golden boy with a lot of money being pumped in. KD4 as a shoe sucks ass, though. Like, that's a very uncomfortable shoe. When you look at his banana feet, it makes sense. It's a very, it's probably the longest, most narrow shoe I've ever put on in my life. And when you look at his foot, it's the longest, most narrow foot you're probably ever going to see. It's like somebody was drawing and they ran out of time and they finished and they drew like a line at the bottom. Huge feet. So the the Kobe is always going to be my winner of those three options there. The LeBron nine's great, but Kobe's better. Very good here. Here's, year, a, here's though. A, uh, a a sneaker history trivia Discord fact for for Greg on one of the next sneaker history trivias. I was actually wear testing shoes for Nike basketball uh, prior to like getting into like blogging and stuff. So like in 2000, I want to say 2007 or 2008, 2009, must've been 2009. I wear tested a very early version of the KD four that was like not labeled as a KD and it was, the materials were terrible, but like the strap, across the foot they were testing the lacing system they were testing um i think jermaine phase two has those now but um what it was, was it, it was it was it was really interesting to like see that come out you know a, a solid like it was like two years later when the shoe actually released and they made a bunch of changes because remember they were doing all that weird hyperfuse stuff right so the hyperfuse was like they were trying to figure out how to incorporate hyperfuse into other thing into other lines and 
I, like one of the wear one of the shoes that I wear tested was like a a weird hyperfuse variant of the KD4. So you messed it up. We could have had a better fitting no, shoe. No, 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 no. Clearly, oh, no, it, it was it was it was, it was, okay. it was it, <laughs> no, it was mad uncomfortable. I mean, I don't I don't find the KD4 like terribly uncomfortable. I wouldn't suggest it as a shoe that's comfortable, but it's not. It doesn't bother me that much. But like this one was really struggling because it was like the outsole combination was the old the old hyperfuse. If you guys remember that, the upper was like a, a leather kind of version that looked like the KD4. But then instead of having the the Velcro on one place, it was like down the side of the shoe. So you could adjust the strap up and down. And I think they were just trying to figure out the fitment and what would stay when you're hooping and all that stuff. But I just a random, Aside. random, like, you know, emotional attachment to the KD four for me, I guess. Sure. And I think one last point I will say about the four was it was the first indicator to me about the stories that were being told with the colors associated with the sneaker. Like you had the weatherman colorway, you had the nerf colorway, you had all these unique colorways that for me unlocked the possibility of why we collect sneakers. And it's, you wearing the pair, but then you're also carrying on the legacy of the story and telling people, yeah, Katie always wanted to be a weatherman, so hence the weatherman pair. I'm kind of going through the list. One other shoe that I forgot came out in 2011, and Nick, I know you probably have an opinion on this, and I think you do as well, Robbie. The SB Costin 1 also came out in that year, and for me, that was kind of the first indicator because I'm as casual of a skateboarding fan as you can be, but Costin going to Nike was one of those like okay nike's about this now because this is the first skater that i had heard of in my like complete layman attitude understanding of skateboarding was that as big of a deal for you guys who have a little bit more history from not only the sneaker side but the skateboarding side or was that just kind of a blase moment hey it's cool costin's got a sneaker but really it's not making impact to us never it's funny i thought about costin's shoes when i was looking through photos to try to post on sneaker history today i'm like no one's gonna care about eric costin shoes and it's sad but i don't personally care they're cool i love see i love eric costin but like from a shoe perspective he's like a big man in basketball he, he doesn't sell shoes for me i still love him he's a big laker fan so i got you one yeah no i i for real like as a human being i, I love eric costin but yeah it doesn't make me want to buy shoes yeah that's fair i mean he definitely he he's the face of a generation in skateboarding too, yeah. right? Like he he is, you know, j- just like you said about the mag being a, a shoe that that reached the masses. He was a skateboarder that that reached the masses for that era. Um, I, so I kind of have a different perspective on it because I had been working at Soul Collector magazine prior to all that stuff. So Soul Collector, had, we'd already featured him in the magazine. You know, like we'd already seen his collection as a as a like you know support your local skate shop, you know, kind of mentality for me still to this day, like it was a bummer to see anybody sign with Nike. Um, just because, you know, it's big business, right? It's, it's, it's like the, the Olympics, you know, it's a blessing and a curse for skateboarding to become part of the Olympics because part of, part of what makes skateboarding great is that it doesn't take anything to be a part of it. It doesn't cost anything. If you're a kid and you walk into a skate shop, and hang out there long enough, they're literally just going to give you a board and say, come skate with us. Like that's how it works. And that's always been the beauty of it. And I think the sneaker part of it has been tough to, to kind of navigate, right? Because you see that like to, to Robbie's point, if we post some stuff on, on the Instagram, you know, like most of the time the skate stuff doesn't do well. It's just that like, it's a huge part of, of what got me into, you know, got not got me into it, but kept me in sneakers, you know, kept me involved. Like, the S cost in line is exponentially better to me than the, than the Nike cost in line. That's not to say that the Nike cost in line is not great. It's just that he was, he was like kind of the face of underground skateboarding for a few years there. Then became, once you signed with Nike, it's almost like, you know, the cat's out of the bag, right? You know, like everybody knows who you are and, um, but he's a genuine fan of Jordan's, you know, all of his S shoes were, were, you know, various ins- inspirations of the Jordan line and, and Nike shoes anyway. To me, like, I actually think, you know, to Robbie's point, he's a, he's a great dude and 
the fact that he and Steve Barra have the barracks and are still pushing the sport of skateboarding forward, you know, even though they're not as big in terms of their own personal, you know, accomplishments right this second. Um, you know, he, he's just a huge piece of the foundation of where skateboarding is going to go in the future. And I think his shoes are, are eventually going to find their, you know, it's kind of like P rod. Eventually people like go back to the P rod line and, and, you know, find that they didn't appreciate it the first time around near as much as they might've, you know, wish they did. So I think you'll see the same thing with Costin, hopefully with S and with Nike, right? Because if there's ever a reason to, to kind of keep, keep the legacy of live for, for the entire run of his signature shoes, you know, they've already done it before, right? Lakai made, you know, the, the Costin one that was modeled off the S, you know, like they, they've done tribute shoes for him before. So I could see, you know, it being a huge piece of the future too, at some point, once people, everything's going to ebb and flow. We're, we're getting, we're getting to the point where everybody's wearing baggy jeans again. You're going to eventually see like massively stuffed tongues and fat shoes and, you know, like, It'll be trendy for a while, and Fubu then it'll go away again. Fubu jerseys, yes. yeah, Avericks. I'm back. Yeah, all right. Now I was just going to say the last shoe I had it was the Adidas Crazy Light, but I think we're probably struggling for time, so we'll save that for our next favorite year of sneakers. Nick, what was your favorite year? So this was a question that actually really I had to think about because there's so many good ones, right? Part of me wanted to say like 2007 or whenever it was that I got started actually working in sneakers. Cause like, to me, that was a cool thing. I wasn't buying a lot of shoes cause I didn't make any money, but like getting to be getting to write about shoes and talk about shoes is like a game changer. Um, but ultimately I think I had to come back to like me as a kid, 1994 is, is probably the most important, you know, I'm, I'm like a freshman, freshman in high school. I guess like being able to see the retros and, and I didn't have a chance to get them in reality, but in my mind, I had a chance to get them at that time, you know, and thought, how cool would it be to be able to get a pair of Air Jordan threes, like black cement threes, white cement threes. That was like, like just such a you know, cheesy term, but like defining moment for sneakers for me, because it made me think like, wow, like all this stuff that was like, you know, stuff I saw on TV you know, watching WGN and, and TNT, you know, going to friend's house to watch it cable, you know, like kind of stuff and seeing the shoes. Now it's like, wait, these are coming back. Like, how is that even possible? And and the boxes, I remember just seeing the box. It was like, oh my God, this is like the entire history of, you know, Jordan's, even though like, you know, now it's like, yeah, dude, that was like, what, nine years, <laughs> you know, man, like, I would much rather have your experience than the man that was like, then the jaded experience 20 years later. So yes, that's, I agree. Yeah. Kick ass. It, well, and it's, it's, it's interesting because like, it was like the time that I was, I was already obsessed with shoes, but it was the time that I was like becoming like probably unhealthily obsessed with shoes. So not only was it the retro Jordans coming back for the first time, which I didn't care. I, I thought it was cool that the Jordan one came back at that time, but I didn't like, it was not a shoe that I wanted at that time. Three is like, way cooler. The three was a way cooler shoe because it had visible air. And in that era, I was still trying to get a shoe with visible air. You know, like that was like still the, the thing that you wanted. Um, but I think, too, like on the flip side of that, you had, you know, the Maestro, right? Yep. Well, yeah, like the, the the Nike basketball stuff was obviously big. So you had like the Nike, the Air Maestro, the Too Strong is then the air unlimited which you know for me like chris weber is still my favorite player i i you know i went to i went to this my fifth and sixth grade teacher was the same teacher for two years um i went lived in a small town in oregon roseburg oregon went to the same school and played basketball and my fifth grade teacher gave me a high school sports magazine and you know in between my fifth and sixth grade years and on the cover was Chris Weber, who had scored, you know, 63 points in his high school country day in Detroit. And that just set me on course to be a Chris Weber fan for the remainder of my life, basically. And I think the, the, the craziest part about thinking about all these shoes from that era, I was so I was so obsessed with everyone. 
once you sent that, I was like, okay, like it's gotta be high school for me, which it was like, that's my freshman year. I think, um, sophomore year, maybe then Tupac is the other obsession in my life at that time. My brother is like massively into tennis and obsessed with Andre Agassi. Andre Agassi wears the Nike air flare. Tupac wears the Nike air flare. These are all of my worlds. Just like there's just so much crossover and all this stuff. I have to pick that year because it was just like, wow, here's everything. Not to mention like, you know, I would have, I would have bought my first pair of Jordans in 94, the air Jordan nines charcoals or black, black and charcoal, whatever it is, red, black and charcoal. Um, so for me, that like, is like the defining, the starting point of like me being fully committed and obsessed with sneakers for the rest of my life, apparently. So no, there's something so powerful, I guess, informative about the high school period, no matter when you went to high school, that's when you really start building your, your real feelings about shoes. And that changes. Like now, some of the shoes I think are cool. I don't think are cool. But the four I brought up, the five I brought up are still damn cool to me now. So yeah, the powerful ones will always get all the way through. But that 90s stuff is just... I'll say that 90s is even more heavy hitting because you had more brands firing off. But Nike on its own was just classic, 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 classic. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And, th- and there's a lot of other stuff out right then, too, that was, like, really big to me. A lot of the Converse basketball stuff was huge. Larry Johnson, I think the Destroyers that year. Um, I'll have to save the story for another another episode. But, like, the Pump Fury, I- I've been into the Pump Fury from the very beginning for, like, a very specific story. And it's a little long-winded, so I'll have to save it. But, like, that's 94 as well. Um, I didn't get the original shoes. It took me years to get them, and it took me even longer to get the actual original colorway. But, like, it's always been something that I've, you know, like, as soon as I started, like, spending my own money and working too much for myself, like, I was buying Pump Furies. So that is another shoe in that same year where it was like, this shoe is just crazy. It's absolutely one of the craziest shoes I've ever seen a massive plate of carbon fiber, no laces. You have to realize in 1994, the other shoes are so traditional nineties basketball to think of a running shoe. That was like, that was, it was mind blowing. So I was like, I became obsessed with that because it was like, well, I've never seen these on anybody's feet. So I'm just going to be obsessed over them for years to come. And I, I probably even was like, Starting to get into New Balance at that time, I can't really remember what shoe was was ninety four. It's probably like the the fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred. Wouldn't have been the fifteen hundred. Number X. That's a little later. That's like, but like, yeah, it's, I think it's the fourteen hundred. Probably came out then, but I probably had five seventy fours or some various some you know knockdown takedown cheap version of all those shoes because I just didn't have the money to get real shoes. And back then, I was like, oh. In on the side, that's cool. My name's Nick. Like having an in on my shoe, like hell yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool stuff. I mean, what's we're gonna get off this topic, but Ronaldo stuff. I don't care about Ronaldo, but I see the R, and I'm like, all right, that's kind of tight. <laughs> yeah. No, I went to the FatBuddhaStore.com because they had the most exhaustive New Balance timeline. And Nick, you are right. The 1400s did come out in 1994. I didn't realize how delayed they were either. Like that's almost a nine year wait after the M thirteen hundred came out in eighty five. Huh. Yeah, I think that I think there's various stuff that came out and they bounced around. New Balance is like wildly inconsistent with their numbering, which is you know, I think it's probably half the reason why people aren't actually like just easily new balance fans, because the quality of their shoes is always good. But if people don't know what the differences are and if it's not easy to see them you know, then it's hard for people to, to become a fan because they got to, they have to like put in effort to, you know, keep up. And especially back then, nobody was really doing that. Unless you were a runner that ran in those shoes originally, you probably didn't pay attention to new balance, changing things very often. 
There was no sneaker blog telling you that the new model's out. Nope. And there was very little stuff outside, you know, like outside of East Bay, there was like just very few things you could even find information. You know, it was just such a different world then. I did remember seeing like, it was probably later. It was probably like late nineties that I started seeing, like I'd get to see like, I mean, you probably know Robbie, but like Japantown in San Francisco has like, there's a massive bookstore there mm-hmm. and you know, we would wander down there and you know, there would be shoe catalogs there. I mean, in hindsight, I wish I would have just bought them all, added them to the massive piles of my magazine stuff. If money but, wasn't a thing and you could just like, and it's so funny, <laughs> the things we don't, whatever thing it is, money was $5, yeah. $10. I don't have 20 bucks to buy two of them, you know, just like, oh, if only I did or you did. Yep. I think we could probably do listener. I guess let's wrap up this way. There's always going to be a pair in your head where it's like, damn, my favorite year, I probably could have got shoe X for 40, 50 bucks. And now it's $400. This 2003 had a lot of good Jordan ones. And I was like, oh, I almost went 2003 because now they're worth like dummy money. But the world's crazy. If you, if you love it, you never know. Go for it. Yep. Yeah, I, I think uh, let's let's like I would love to see what other people think about this too. Like we got to put this in the Discord and, and have a, a, a solid conversation about it. Maybe this is our next uh, our next topic for for a Zoom call or something. Because I feel like you you made a good point about like high school being the kind of you know it's it's your it's your foundation. You know, yeah, it's the foundation, right? It's, you know, it's like, it's almost like, you know, that, that formidable years conversation as a, as a baby. Right. But like, then there's like the becoming your own from like 12 to 17 or whatever. The formative that is years. You. Formative. Not for, formative. Formidable. Years, yeah. You're fighting people. Well, baby. Yeah, formidable. Formidable. <laughs> Let's go with that. The formative Pulls out years. a baby shank out of its diaper. It's like, what's yeah. up? Boss baby. Uh, it's, it's it's been a long day and I need to get some food. Right. So <laughs> you're entitled to it. We should but, get out of here then. Yeah, but hey, this was a really great topic though. So I would love to lo- love to hear from from everyone if you if you have some thoughts and what your favorite year was for sneakers. And uh, yeah, shout out to Robbie for for dropping this gym in the in the uh, what what did you call the exclusive chat. The super secret thread, the double probation. The super secret. (laughs) Yeah. Appreciate everybody rocking with us, tuning in, supporting. If you haven't left us a review, that'd be super dope. We're looking for reviews to read for the next episode, so we would appreciate it. But uh, like, favorite, subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. We're trying to get that uh, elusive 1,000 subscriber mark so they can pay us uh, two or three cents a video or something like that. And then you've got to sit through 15 seconds of some random brand. So that'll be fun for you guys if you want to subscribe. Uh, realize it sounds like a bad sales job, but guys, let them know how they can find you and we'll get out of here. You can find me on Instagram at Rowan M13, on Twitter at Roheasy, and on YouTube with one of my eight burner accounts that will all be subscribing to Sneaker History in the next 30 minutes. Robbie, where can they find you? Chia. You can find me at R A H B E E 702. Nick. Right on. You can find me at Nick Ingvall on all the platforms, but more importantly, catch us at Sneaker History on all the platforms, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.